0: Welcome back, you interleaguers, to another podcast episode. Kicking it fresh on a Monday, 8-2, episode 63, and we just passed the trade deadline. Today you're going to find out who we got. Now, they're a little bit different than Spags and I. They don't use the same hands we do. So today we're going to be talking lefties. Now our teams needed lefties. They really did. (laughs) Do they need the lefties they got? We'll find out today in this episode of the Inner League.
1: That's a good. That is a good point. Like every player our team is traded for was left-handed.
0: Yeah, lefties, dude. Wrong-handed. All of them them lefties, dude. Wrong-handed. And like normally you'd be like, you know, like it's so hard to find lefties, but all of a sudden like our team's found all of them. Yeah, that's all the
1: Cardinals have now. Four lefty starters. Yeah, that's it they they yeah, average cool. their average fastball 86 miles per hour
0: yeah hey, oh. hey when you play salad up the middle defense you know you don't need to be blowing it by them. and then you know you got reyes coming in at the end throwing so hard they're like what the fuck is this i've been seeing like 70 miles an hour all day now i'm seeing 100 winning games yeah it's the recipe sit back and watch as mo said we didn't sell the future bags okay we're just hoping to be competitive the rest of the year. Maybe make a run at it. Should be a fun time. Something like that. That's really abbreviated, but pretty much. Nah, hey, we made a, deals. It's a direct quote. Look at us. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, quote. we
1: did. Hey, we did stuff. Hey. Can't, um, can't say we
0: didn't try. Hey, we listened to the interleague podcast last week and uh, didn't do anything that they said to do. At least our side, you know. Yeah, uh, not, Brian, Brian Cashman. You heard he Brian Cashman, loud the clear. show. This episode's not sponsored by Brian Cashman. <laughs> BC. Uh, yeah. He
1: must have turned it off before I said, don't trade for a shitty left-handed pitcher. He must have stopped yeah. listening. Well, yeah,
0: he was so excited that he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to get to work right now. And <laughs> yeah, then he and he opted off,
1: down. shut it off early. And he's like, lefties, but,
0: lefties, lefties? Yeah. Now we know that he's a friend of the show, so we'll just make sure that we're more yeah. open when we're making suggestions like that.
1: The first time I I make a suggestion and it and it happens, okay. Crazy. Second time, all right, coincidence. Third time,
0: this dude's cheating. Yeah. Dude's yeah. yeah. You're pretty there. much the GM of the Yankees, just not getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Brian Cashman took the job and only half the pay, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and really, we have we have good conversations. I mean, shit, we were we were talking through deadline deals for the Cardinals, and I felt like it was a a great back and forth conversation. Even to the point that I was like, "Hey, should we put in our two weeks and just go down and talk to the DeWitts?" Like, yeah. like, hey, this is what's up. Like, we we got solutions. Let's uh, let's figure things out.
0: Yeah, but here we are again, just not giving them credit. Yeah, so. We're just always negative about it you know we just probably got to stop being so negative about it and start giving them credit for remember when the last time they won a title was what was that giving them credit so credit the you cardinals do yeah. yeah yeah i'm just giving them credit for then it's been a minute but credits a, credits still do yeah credits still do easily so but trade deadlines passed our fantasy trade deadlines passed I, uh, I thought about trying to make a trade for a shortstop last minute, uh, and then stopped myself and was like, no, you know, I can move Cronenworth in that position. Um, and we'll just kind of see how it rolls. Um, and then I didn't know that I could just get players for free. So next year I'll be looking out for the free players, um, instead of giving away first round draft picks, you know? Yeah, um,
1: it's like I I approved a couple trades. Our our trade deadline was yesterday. the the week ending after the the MLB trade deadline passes. So MLB trade deadline was Friday. So then of our that week uh, was our trade deadline. Made I I approved a couple deals over the weekend and the last one that I approved, it definitely wasn't the worst trade that I have approved. Like the most lopsided in my opinion,
0: but I, I still think the first trade of the year, the, I forgot who it was, but it was like the one first rounder for like two and a half worth. The guys first rounder picks probably.
1: Yeah, it was, um, uh, what Barrios, I think, scherzer bryant and correa maybe
0: or yeah i'm looking for it right now uh gene segura will smith or chapman oh that that was the the beginning of the year yeah that was the most recent
1: one yeah so the so the issue that i have um the issue that i i had with this trade i approved the the last trade that i approved so the relief pitchers, it was pretty much an even swap. Like, they traded Chapman and Hater for McGee and Kurenczak or whatever in Cleveland. All right. McGee is a better, like, has more fantasy points than Chapman or Hater. Kurinchek has less than Chapman and Hater. So it's like an even swap. You know, whatever. I don't know why they did it, but who cares? I, all right, I'm not going to split hairs over it. But the other side of it, it was Gene Segura, who is keeper eligible. And it was Will Smith, who is keeper eligible, um, which plays plays a point. And and when i whenever I'm looking at value, it's like, hey, like, all right, what what's going on? Like what who's able to do what next year? So uh, Pod's the guy that traded uh, Smith and Segura he um smith would have moved up to a 10th round which for a catcher that's extremely feasible he kept him in the 16th round 10th round pick for will smith completely viable gene segura 14th round again extremely viable they're both like in the top 120 um in points right now i forget exactly where but if you look at it as like 120 divided by 16 you're looking at like the mid eighth round is where the top 120 prospects would go um so call like the top 125 would be like your first eight rounds um so these guys are scoring in like the top eight rounds but both of them would be keep eligible outside of that and he essentially got a fourth round pick for both of those two um i forget Oh, uh, he got Runet-Odor back in the trade. Um, He got um, McGee and Karinczak and a fourth-round pick. So, you, you would have had – so, Jake McGee is also keeper-eligible in the 23rd round but Putz has already traded away his 23rd round pick so he has no no pick in the 23rd round so McGee is not keep eligible for him so he, does, he didn't get a keeper that just an even swap no upside to giving up the closers you know to getting those closers <clears throat> gave up two guys that are keeper eligible for a single fourth round pick yep. so you're you're going to get a worse player or you're you're gonna get a player that might be conceivable, conceivably accurate to those. Like I think Will Smith is like right around 70th in points, so just outside that top the like just outside the top four rounds. But if you take into consideration the other guys that are gonna be kept that are up at that level, probably it, it it's probably pretty close to being a guy that should go in the top four rounds because six other guys in that top 64 are probably kept later on in the draft. Um, like Fernando Tatis Jr., for example, will will be a keeper in later rounds. Um, so you're you're going to get a guy about the same equivalent of Will Smith, but you could have gotten Smith later and had a more productive 10th round pick than what you're probably going to get. So I, I don't know, like, even if he was playing four next year, I don't understand why there's all the value. and like, well, I got one draft pick. I gave up four better players to get one good option on keepers in return that I can't keep. So all you got was a fourth-round pick for four guys, essentially. It's just baffling to me.
0: Yeah, well, um, I mean, we're – let me go standings – Team USA, I mean, eight and eight. So they're fighting for, you know, your eight and eight spot over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they pretty much just get better for nada.
1: Yeah. So it's so like in comparison. So Robbie traded away his first round pick and got four players from Trogler. He traded, like, he got a seventh round pick. And trading away a pretty worthless Carlos Carrasco. Um, and then he gave up a fourth round pick for, call it, three players to be added. Because he got four, but you minus one because he got rid of McGee. So say one of those relievers is just the wash. So he, he bettered three positions and gave up one pick for that. In, in comparison, I, got, I gave up... Giolito Lemayhu, and Melanson to my brother and got three picks I gave up Margot and Grossman to Mickey and got two picks and I gave you Freeman and Pavetta and got two picks so in every one of my deals the pick to player ratio is like one for one multiple people did not you know did did not accomplish that with Robbie but yeah, my team is still performing better than those other teams. So it's like they, they seemingly gave up more and got less because their teams have been significantly worse since then. Like one of the guys, like the Trogler, who traded the first-round pick, and I, I forget exactly He's who it was. Extra first. Yeah, he, he just wanted the extra first, and he didn't want to have to give up Walker Buehler. But I, I know it was Correa, Bryant, and Barrios, but I don't remember who the other player was.
0: Well, I'm uh, going to the beginning of the year here. Oh. All right, here we go. Um, where's
1: the first train? So it might have been someone that he like didn't, that he he didn't hold on to anyway.
0: Are trades under transactions. Mm-hmm. So if I go to history. Oh, missed it, I guess. Hit all. Oh, I wait. say you should
1: just be able to, to do it by team. Oh yeah, yeah. The one team Got then. Uh, drawing. Away. Um. So so it looks like it was just those those three guys, Correa, Bryant, Berrios. Yeah, and he and he gave up, um, Miguel Sano, J.P. Crawford, Michael Kopech, Michael Cope, yeah. and uh, and Corey Dickerson. So he gave him four players for three and a first round pick. Uh, so or so he gave up
0: four players and a first round pick for three players. Yeah, and that was definitely the most lopsided trade I've ever seen in any fantasy thing. Yeah. I I do know like so when it's that lopsided in our football league, they just they just they won't even approve it. Most nope.
1: Well, so in your in your fancy football, is it like everyone in the league gets the vote on it and it either gets approved or it doesn't?
0: So it used to be that way. Um, but then the commissioner could I think still be like, No, you guys are fucking stupid, which I think rarely happened. But then um people were literally just like voting against it because like it involved like certain people and they were just like being fucks about it Mm -hmm. so they stopped that and was just like the there's a commissioner and a co-commissioner so they will decide and they'll take all brunt for um, either approving or denying it here because they just got tired of dealing with the well every time this person makes a trade Chuck is like no fuck that trade yeah. you know like or so, or this person's like nope nope fuck that nope not happening and then it like wouldn't pass because you know you could just manipulate it that way right so
1: yeah so that that's essentially like what's the decision that I made so my my fantasy league came off the heels of uh Kurt inviting me to co-own a team with him in one of his buddies leagues Um, It was through CBS Sports. It was like the first live draft league that I'd ever done. It was the first keeper league that I'd ever done. Um, And their keeper rule, like, worked a little different than ours. It was like their keeper rules, like, if you drafted a guy in the second half of the drafts, like rounds uh, 13 through 24, you would keep him in that same round, and then he would move up to a second round pick. And if you drafted him in rounds 1 through 12, you would keep him in that same round, and then he'd move up to a first round pick. Um, and then I think like you couldn't keep anyone in the first or second round and they were like your franchise picks or whatever. Um, so the, those picks you, you couldn't keep. So it, it was cool. I learned a lot. Um, I had a lot of ways that I was immediately like, this could be better. Like now, nah, like this could be better. Like, I don't really like that. This could be better. And then Kurt was just like, well, why don't you just create your your own league. So I was like, well, Hey, why don't I cool? Like maybe I will. So I, I did. And now we're, you know, this is our 12th History season. I think. Made. Yeah. So it's been around. We're going to do a, a
0: documentary about the blue and gold league. Good. Um,
1: but one of the issues that I had was that when trades went through, it was voted on by the league. And people would veto trades because they were trying to catch a team in front of them and that team was going to be getting better. Um, so they're like, no, I don't, I don't want that trade to go through. Or it was a team right behind them or a team that they still had to play. And they're like, no, I don't want uh, no, nope, you can't do that trade. Now you can do that trade next week when I don't have to play you anymore, but I'm going to yeah. do that trade now. And it, it was never voted on with, is this a fair trade? So I was like, well, I'm not going to trust anyone else. I will police it myself, and we'll we'll see where it's at. And a lot of times when I make trades, because like I, said, I made a handful of them, I will, I I run my comparisons through the same thing. So like a lot of times when I'm looking at stuff, it's okay. What players are you giving up? Where are they at point total wise? If draft picks are involved, how many points have they scored right now? Is there are are they giving up keeper eligible players like are they getting back keeper eligible players you know what what's the deal in all of this like how does this impact next year as well Um, are like so that's why when I saw like Jake McGee Jake McGee's one of the top relief pitchers this year he was drafted in the 23rd round. Jake McGee as a closer, the 23rd round, is a great throwaway keeper because a lot of people don't want to waste picks early on a relief pitcher. So if you can fill a throwaway position in the 23rd round and not have to worry about it, you're in a great spot. But that value doesn't exist for putts because he can't keep them there. So, and that's information that he knows. So when he's like, well, this is the value that he's a 23rd round keeper, sure, could be. So I... I take it into consideration, but I lessen the value that it creates because there's always the possibility that a team doesn't have good keepers and putts could turn around in the off season and deal McGee, knowing that he can't keep them and get another draft pick, you know, like, Hey, like I I'll give you McGee as a keeper in the 23rd round, but I want your 12th round pick, you know, 11th round pick, something like that. So he scoots his, he scoots a pick up, and he got rid of a, a picture that he couldn't keep anyway, so he got value out of something that he had no value in. So, I'm like, all right, he could do that. I don't know if he will or not, but he could. So, I, I have to like, I take all of that into consideration.
0: You gonna be calling him like, hey, yo, I, you can't keep him, so. Uh... So
1: I so that that's a big a big rule that I have for myself is I I if I contact someone, the only thing I will ask before I make my decision. Is what value do you see in this trade? Like, why why is it that you're willing to make this trade? Because value may not always be the same to me. Like we said with the Trogler trade early on, his response was, "I wanted a first round pick, and I didn't want to have, I didn't want to give up Walker Bueller." So this met that, and. I was like, cool. So I approved it. And then I messaged Trogler after I approved it and the trade was done. was like, Hey, just so you know, I would have given you far more than just the first round pick for the same package that you offered. Like you could have gotten far more if you shot the round. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I, like when you and I were making our deal, I was honest with you. Like, Hey, I have other people also interested in other pieces on my team um, there was a point in time that we were talking about Giolito and I was like, yeah, just mm-hmm. so you know, I have conversations involving Giolito with other people, not necessarily worried about telling you who it is, but if you when we come to an offer, I will give that person an opportunity to counter and the same way that like if they raise their price, I will come back to you and be like, hey, this is what they're willing to give me. you know, how how can you better the deal? you know, something along, like something along those lines but if people aren't willing to do that you know i'm just like i don't i don't know i don't know how to help them i don't know how to get them to understand what it is that are like how they're actually giving up these players and in this case like it wasn't the most atrocious trade that i've seen so i just went ahead and approved it it's like i i guess it's there because if he were able to keep mcgee I feel like that's a that's the leg up in an even swap of relievers because Hader and Chapman were drafted in the fifth and sixth rounds, so not keep eligible at all.
0: Yeah, so, can he just trade? He can try to make a trade for someone else's twenty third round pick.
1: He he could have. He can't now. I, well, I guess like the the waiver wire does technically exist, although I'm not I'm not promoting it very heavily. Um, oh, actually, no. It he doesn't he couldn't because he doesn't have any draft pick trades left. That's what I was just looking at. So he he has made three. So no no, no more. <clears throat> yeah. So he gave up. Let's see. Let me let me switch over to his team. So his trades included. Um. He traded Clayton Kershaw and Joe Musgrove for Justice Sheffield and Carlos Martinez. And this was this was early June. Um, and he received a first, seventh, and tenth round picks while giving up his eighth, 23rd, and 24th. So, rel- relatively fair. Um, I feel like the reasoning behind getting the 10th round was because someone was drafted there. Um, Oh, that, that's what it was. He Potts <clears throat> wanted the 10th round because he wanted to be able to keep Will Smith, but not give up his 10th round pick. And then he traded away Will Smith. So he doesn't have Will Smith as a keeper anyway. Um, but yeah, so he got he got three picks for Musgrove and Kershaw. Seems reasonable, but one of the picks he got actually scooted back, like he gave up an eighth and got a tenth. So he got a first and a seventh for Musgrove and Kershaw. Reasonable enough. I I can I I have no issue with that. Then he got a he got a third round pick. For uh, Dee Sclafani, which I forget where he's at. Cincinnati. Point wise, no, he's he's pitching for San Francisco. Oh yeah. Um, but I feel like he's got a pretty decent point total. Boom, boom, I'm bringing it up right now, so yeah, I, I mean, lie. only
0: only on the team with like the best record in baseball. You know? Correct. More, um, right up there. Oh, so. sorry, he's not, all, good. he's not
1: on that team anymore. He went to the first place team. Um, so seventy third in points overall in the league, includes hitters and pitchers. So that's a top five. Um, pitching is at a premium. Adam was trying to get a pitcher done. It was the day of the trade deadline so maybe he overpaid a little bit but seems seems reasonable seems fair um he got he also uh received Eric Lauer in return who's a pitcher for the Brewers um who I don't think he's been up all that long yeah so he's made Ten starts, he has 14 appearances, and he's at like 81 points. So, say like his relief pitchers were kind of his relief appearances are kind of a wash. So over 10 starts, call it like he's averaging like seven to eight points a start. Not amazing, but serviceable when you've sold your team. And Lauer's also on on a good team, so. He got a decent, he got a decent filler option for selling. Plus he, you know, he got a pick higher than what it is. So also applaud that trade, not a problem. But then whenever Robbie's involved, this dumbass trade happens and I don't get it. And that's why I told Robbie, Hey, I need to know how you finalize these deals at maximum value. Because when the time comes that I'm a buyer, those are the kind of trades that I I want to be able to make but I I feel like it stems from me not even being me not even thinking to offer them because they're such <laughs> shit
0: <laughs>
1: true you know and like we've talked about it just the nonsensical draft pick trades or trade offers in general that you get from Robbie and also his brother Nick that it's just like dude this is such bullshit for like, I have to filter through these Cause it's so much nonsense, but it's like, I feel like he just offers them over and over and over again until he convinces somebody that this is what they're valued at. And then he he finds a sucker and there you go. And like Robbie even said, he's like, he's like, yeah, apparently he'd been trying to deal all day and he couldn't, he couldn't find anyone. He's like, I really didn't feel like I needed to get any better. Um, But when it was there and the price was right, why not? I was like, no, I, I completely agree. Like, I think you bettered some positions. Um, I don't know who was catching for him previously. Um, I guess I not can Mitch see... Garber. I'll tell you that Man, much. He's stealing TVs. Let me see who. Uh...
0: <laughs> stealing TVs. <laughs> he had.
1: Um. He had. Uh, Christian Vasquez. For Boston, catching for him last week, Will Smith put up 13 points. Vasquez put up 12. Um, and then he had Runet-Odor at second. Now he has Gene Segura, which is a, a a huge upgrade there. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, Chapman put up 28 points, but the Yankees won like five close games. Um, and he saved four of them. I think they got a save in all five of their games. Um, Hader also had a save. So we got 28 points from Chapman, six and a half from Hader. He got, Robbie got 21 points from McGee. And Kerenchak got minus 10. So um, definitely, like I said, definitely improved. But I also believe that Hader is hurt.
0: Yeah, on the COVID IL. Yeah, COVID
1: IL. So um I don't know. I think it just has to be like negative tests two days in a row or something like that. But I I'm getting to face the new look Robbie team with these four guys added to his lineup. Um but that so that's what I'm saying. Like it's uh it's a situation where he has one, two, three, four, five six seven of his 17 players he traded for um that are that are in his starting lineup and on the other hand like i have trying to see if i got any of these guys back
0: in the trades I'd say I only got two guys One. on my roster my starting that I traded for. <laughs> yeah. Because I only traded
1: uh, two guys. Yeah, Lou Trevino is the only the only person that I got in a trade. Everyone else I either drafted or made free agent pickups. Um I said, like and I I've I've traded away seven players. Um of the seven players that I traded away, let's go, let's go see where these guys are at, scoring-wise. Um, first, let's let let's look at... Let's go look at, at Kurt's team. So... Uh, LeMahieu, 92nd in scoring. It's a, it's a down year. Started off pretty slow. But he's three-position eligible. And he was kept... Where did I keep him? This is last year. I kept him in the 21st round. So, he would be a 15th round keeper, then a 9th round keeper, then a 3rd round keeper. So, Kurt traded for him, and potentially he has him realistically for three more years. Because if LeMahieu gets back to form, he's certainly worth a 3rd round pick. Yeah. Um. So, I so I gave up LeMahieu. I gave up Giolito, who is 118th in scoring, and has been lights out since I traded him. Um. Yeah, I think, I think I traded him, what, I, I played you right out of the all-star break, which was like the, what, it went the 16th through the 25th, no, oh yeah, yeah, so the new week just started. The 26th of the first, I played troggler Yeah, so I played you the 16th through the 25th. So since I traded him, he went uh, nine innings against Houston with eight strikeouts, 29 and a half points. He went six innings, um, let up one run. He had walked five guys and got a no decision. Um, or no. Now it looks like he took the loss in the decision, even though he let up one run in six innings. Um, but he his offense didn't help him out. Got three points. Then he went six innings, one run, seven Ks, um, and a no decision against the Royals. Again, no help from his offense. Got fourteen and a half points in a no decision. So realistically, yeah, I'd take fourteen and a half points. Yeah. So realistically, that like that sort of performance would be like a twenty-point start, and then you figure he got thirty points from Houston, makes up for the three points from Milwaukee, but legitimately over the course of the last you know three starts since I have traded him, he's put up forty-five points, so he's averaging fifteen points a start since I traded him. He was not he was not averaging that when I had him on my team, um. So. That that would have helped, and then Melanson is 147th in scoring, which is on the high end for relief pitchers. But relief pitchers will probably never really make or break a lot of your weeks. They certainly can, but it's rare that they that they play a big
0: part. Oh, what happened to Garrett Cole? Um, I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, he tested positive for COVID. Oh, that sucks. Oh, he's out until August 12th. Rough. Mm-hmm. Well, that that puts a damper on the Yankees' chances. Um, well, I mean, they are they only won like 50% of their games anyway. Yeah.
1: To, yeah, the last time he started, he did get lit up. So that's probably the reason why he's right sick. Um, so then I gave up Robbie Grossman, who's 39th in the league in scoring, and Manny Margot, who's 123rd in the league in scoring. Again, remember... You know, we said top 125 would be like first eight rounds. Right. Roughly. Oh, so man, he's
0: played today. Son of a bitch. Yeah. He did play today. And they lost. Why couldn't they say he, he obviously had COVID <laughs> earlier today? Sorry. Total distraction from what we were talking about. Oh, that's but fine. they, he obviously had COVID earlier today. <laughs> earlier today. I could easily put Zach Gallon in my lineup. Yep. But instead now you're just down a pitcher. That's all right. Garrett fucking sucked last week, so he can go sit his COVID fucking ass on the bench. Yep. Go get vaccinated, you dumb fuck. You're being real aggressive right. tonight. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. But yeah,
1: so so Grossman, 39th in scoring. Margo, 123rd in scoring. So, so far, I think Melanson's been the highest in terms of scoring, and he's still, like, top nine rounds. So I've, I've given up five players all at that level and we haven't even got to you yet um so in our deal i gave up nick pavetta 195th not not the the not the greatest um i think he's been decent for you like man yeah, he's been kind of trash oh you know, even better but <laughs> but you also got freddie freeman who had who's third in the league in scoring. And let's just go, look at this. So what, I played you two weeks ago. Yeah, I'll be able to see once I load up the trends. It'll be the bar that's really high. Yeah, so you've had him for two full weeks. And he has scored uh, 64, 74, call it 84 points
0: in two weeks for you. He's not even my highest scoring Atlanta Braves player, though. So. What? On the year, or? No, since I've got him. No way. Because I think, yeah, he put up six... same week. I'll... He put up 64 points. Yeah, Austin Riley has put up, like, back-to-back, like, 45-point weeks, though. Let's, so. let's go look. Yeah. 41, 44. Yeah,
1: 85. He's He's right there. He's got him by a little bit. Got him by a little mm-hmm. bit. And then he, uh, Riley also had a 50 point week. How many points does he have on the year? Dude, hey, Riley? 270. It so half of his points came in three of the 16 weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The 50 point week. I didn't
1: even start him that week. One of them was against yeah. me. That's, that's my fancy luck. Well, but I granted it that The matter. Atlanta
0: Braves were going to come out of the all-star break on a tear. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. At. To they be fair, win games, but my players are on a tear, so I was kind <clears> of. <throat> to,
1: to be fair, if we took, if you took away Riley Cronenworth, so Riley scored like fifty or forty something points against me, Cronenworth scored like fifty points against me, and Freeman scored like sixty points against me, and if you took those three players away and just gave them zeros, you still would have beat me. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> like. <laughs> cool i lost like 180 it's all right it was a it was a very long week both in the number of days that the week went on and it started immediately you had back-to-back 100 point days to start that matchup (laughs) i was like i don't even know why i'm gonna look at fancy for the rest of the week (laughs) (laughs) like like, this is over
0: yeah Yeah, i was
1: like this is this is over um but yeah so Long story short, the point that I'm making is that I, I gave up guys that are point scorers. Like, they are putting up, with the exception of Pavetta, everyone has been really pretty serviceable since they left. Margot was hurt for a week um, of the three weeks he's been gone. But the the teams, the, the players have been serviceable. They have continued to be where, where they were, not huge drop-offs or anything like that. But then when you look at like the standings of the teams that sold off pretty heavily, I'm the only one still winning. So it's like, I, I don't understand how I seemingly gave up more because I got more, but my team's still better. Like I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like I'm not, it's like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm a genius. I think like, I just don't get why my team was losing so much when I had all those players like that's what doesn't make sense to me
0: you just uh weren't letting it ride out enough to. Yeah. you would have gave it one more week but I you'd watch Freddie Fury but been, I'm <sighs> Eclipse greatness
1: but I'm winning without them since
0: that week so
1: yeah since I since I have traded away like since I started to sell we've had three weeks since then I've played the top two teams in the league um, well, one of them's no longer second, he's third now, because he got passed again when he lost again last week. But I I played you and Adam Style who are the top two teams in your division, and then I played Trogler, who was a team that is also sold. Lost to you significantly. I beat Adam style by 50, and I beat Trogler by 95. So since I started to sell pieces, I'm two and one
0: Oh, your team's just, you know, afraid they're not going to be on the squad next year, so.
1: And now we're, yeah, now we're in trying a, to play better. Yeah, we're in a situation, so you're currently the number one seed at 13-3, and three, getting damn near close to locking up a playoff spot, but not, not mathematically yet. I think hypothetically you have, but mathematically you haven't clinched yet.
0: Yeah, I'm going to um, have to go real south for me real quick. Yeah, like uh, Garrett Cole going on the I.L., I know, dude. And it's just, you know, it's a shame. I've won like seven weeks in a row. So Eight, eight actually. Yeah, eight weeks in a row. And I haven't had like an injury in a while because the beginning of the year, it was like, oh my God, I like, I was still winning, but I'm like, man, all these fucking injuries. This is like, that's not good. Um, So we'll see. Well, we'll still, we'll still come out this week. He was double started too, which is kind of a real big pain in the ass, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're I mean, really, when you lose them, you just be like, Oh, he wasn't double started anymore. Like I'm only really losing one start. Cause yeah, I only mean, you should get five anyway. You could play with five. You'd be all right.
1: For sure. And I mean, you, you guys were matched in start. So it was seven to seven. He's had one go. That one start went negative half a point. So that that's already negated the loss of one of Cole starts. One of Cole starts actually netted you points at this point. Um, So you just need, if another one of his, I mean, and Snell's been terrible lately. Yeah. So you, like that could go. Um, He has Logan Webb pitching against Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. Um, Snell's facing Sean Maniah. Musgrove is facing Frankie Mataz. Uh, McGill's second start is against the Phillies. Maida's double-started. He's got Tyler Maley and Lance McCullers. So you guys have a pitching start against each other, um, whereas Houston's a significantly better team than, my, than Minnesota. Um, so I, I feel like even in that, get rid of your two starts from Cole. Yes, it sucks that they're zero points because they typically wouldn't have been. But for the pitching starts remaining, you're you're in a pretty decent spot. What you need to have to not happen is, you know, Lau continue to have games where he goes 0 for 4 with an RBI and a strikeout and two errors. Like getting minus four points is not not what you want to do.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I luckily my players haven't had too many of those. So and you know, at least he had it early so we can make up for it. Yeah. Or, you know, on Sunday night, Sunday night baseball, MLB could get a call wrong and maybe it would go my way.
1: Maybe. Yeah. So you're you're the number one seed. Um and then the number 1 team from the other division so Nick Aldering currently uh, 12 and 4 you're 13 3 he's 12 and 4 um, the number 3 seed the number 2 guy in your division is 11 and 5 so the three of you are are kind of there battling but Nick pretty much has the number the number 1 or number 2 seed locked up cuz he's four games up in our division so he's probably pretty comfortably going to win our division um, so he'll, he'll get the number one or number two seed, depending on who has a better record between your division winner and our division winner. <clears throat> then it goes like the, this is where like, it gets really crazy for me. So Robbie is eight and eight and is currently the number four seed. Then you have Timmy and, uh, Nick in your division at 10 and six and nine and seven that are actually five and six because the top two teams from each division get the top four seeds. So I'm technically tied for fourth, but I'm also not in the playoffs right now. <laughs> so it's, it's really weird. It's kind uh, of strange. Um, so then my, my brother at eight and eight um, is in seventh. Mickey is eight and eight. He is in eighth then I am eight and eight and I am in ninth. And what the first tiebreaker for is points four. <clears throat> and so I know I was, I was looking at it earlier. Um, and it's a, it's a situation where like I am 41 points behind Mickey. So if say me and Mickey both win, but I outscore Mickey by 40 points, or, you know, 45 points, I could jump in front of him. If we both lose and I outscore Mickey by 45 points, I would jump in front of him still. So even though I'm not facing him, I kind of am facing him because points for matters. Um, so in that yeah. same sense that like I am, um, like I'm, be- I'm behind my brother as well, who's the seventh seed. And I'm like 90 points, 80 points behind him. So it's like, I need to pay attention with where, with where his score is. He's currently at negative one and a half on the week. And I'm at 20. So I've already made up 20 points into that deficit. <clears throat> and that that's why it's weird is. So even though I'm in ninth, if I win playing Robbie, that would put me in front of him. And if Kurt also loses and I jump in front of him, I become the number two team in my division. And I'm the number four seed. <laughs> while While being nine and eight. Um, yeah, there's just so... Dude, if you made the playoffs, that's going to be
0: nuts. Yeah,
1: and, and there's just... And really, it just comes down to, like, me... All I got to do is, like, win games. Because um, a lot of the playoff teams are facing each other. So, if you and Adam beat up on everybody down there, that's two losses to those other six guys. The, the last place team I don't care about but the six and seven ranked teams in your division are both seven and nine. So they're only a game back, but they have to play each other. So, like those, so, for example, like Mickey is playing Coates right now. Mickey's eight and eight. Coates is seven and nine. So if I win and Mickey wins, it just gains us another game of space on, on Coates. But if Coates beats him and I also, like if Mickey loses and I also lose, it just keeps us all on the hunt that there's more people – for points 4. you know that like I'm I'm competing with cuz 8 and 8 is a playoff spot if Mickey loses 8 and 9 is a playoff spot. You know the only way 8 and 9 wouldn't be a playoff spot is if I'm also 9 and 8 and I move into that spot. But even if I'm 9 and 8, that means Robbie's 8 and 9, which he would still be a playoff spot. So the worst the, the worst playoff record could be are the the best the bottom of the playoff record could be right now at the end of this week would be nine and eight. The worst it can be is eight and nine. And I'm guaranteed to be eight, at least eight and nine. So I'm like, all right, just another week, five weeks out. And I'm getting one of the teams in front of me out of the way. Like one of the top teams. I have Trogler still who sold. I have putt still who sold off his team. I have my cousin's team still. Who's the lowest point scoring team on the year. So I was like, cool. Like if I can, if I can get into like the final three weeks to play these teams again, because that's the stretch of games like putts, my cousin, um, like those teams are the teams like I barely lost to when I went through my outscored by fifty points in four weeks, and I went zero and four. So th- these teams I think are certainly beatable because my teams put up more points now than they did before. I got guys ready to play
0: your pitching is really uh, sort of step up a little bit
1: yeah I, I made I made the executive decision to put in um, Ahmed Rosario <clears throat> this week because I didn't know so I, I had Peterson in. Peterson sat yesterday against the lefty um, the Braves match up this week because they're playing the Cardinals. And then they play um, uh, Washington. So Peterson has been sitting against lefties, and they have six games this weekend. Four of them are against left-handed pitchers. Three of those left-handed pitchers are the series against the Cardinals. Um, And Lester, Kim, and LeBlanc. And then Corbin is the other lefty. So I'm like, all right, I don't know how much he's going to play. So I put in um, Ahmed Rosario, who's like the only other outfield option that I had that's healthy. So I, I put him in the lineup. And then I was like on the fence about whether or not I wanted to play Nagowski or Mankata. So the the Pirates played tonight, so Nagowski was, is no longer available. But if I find out that like Moncada is hurt or isn't going to play, or Peterson is, I can put anybody into my DH spot. So that's why I made the executive decision to play Rosario. That I was like, all right, I can slot you in to outfield. If Moncada for some reason is going to sit, I can make a decision to, to go a different route. In doing that, Rosario put up thirteen and a half points tonight. So I was like, yeah, nice, works nice. out. Um, and then the rest of my points came from Real Muto he got yeah. seven and a half he's been on a
0: tear lately It always it feels good when you uh, you make the right decision with your lineup choices You know? yeah. oh, granted it's early so you never know what happens but like even one like double digit point day at least like if tomorrow he sits or like doesn't play well just doesn't go negative it's like okay cool because you can afford like another couple days without him being, like, a rock star every fucking day. But, you know, they end with 20, 25 points. You're like, oh, good. Thank God we ended with the, you know, we started with a 13-point week, or it would have been way worse. All right. Um, do you ever look at manager stats on the fancy uh, website? I don't. I have. I don't think I have in a while, though. Okay, right. So, it it basically
1: it calculates out, Where's it at? League? Uh, it's understandings, Standings. and then it's, yeah, and then it's at the bottom.
0: Manager stats. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it has correct decisions, total coaching risks, what your success rate is, points earned and lost, wins earned and lost, and perfect lineups. Perfect lineup is you set your lineup to maximize the points out of the out of the twenty four guys that were active on your roster. You played the seventeen that would have been the absolute maxed out point total you could have gotten. Yeah. as you see no one has had a perfect lineup this year <laughs> it's very very rare for it to happen um, so what the what the correct decisions and total coaching risks are is they obviously have their projected total of like how many points their experts say a player is gonna get so a coaching risk would be you play a guy that is projected to get less points than their than the experts think of another guy on your bench Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in doing that, like, okay, that was a coaching risk. Was it right or was it wrong? So, I think, currently...
0: Shit, I'm kind of up there in correct decisions.
1: Yeah. Um. So, you are... Yeah, you're at, like, 54.5% success rate. But it's been very minuscule and what your correct decisions and losses have been. So you haven't really made any like wild moves for that to be the case. Um, no. because the point lineup
0: for like five weeks.
1: Yeah. Cause the, the points earned and lost it's less than 10. It's like you, you have earned 9.7 points in the 22 over the course of like the 22 coaching decisions that you've made. Um, are the coaching risks, 12 of them were correct. They have earned you 9.7 points total. So not necessarily, like, not each time it is or whatever, but overall. So you could have been, like, 50 points wrong one week and then 50 points right another week, and you would be at zero. But the the part that I always pay attention to is that your your coaching risks have not impacted your win-loss rate so anytime whether you were right or wrong it wouldn't have affected the outcome of the game <clears throat> there are people on here so like for for an example um like buzz um he has lost 90 points on his you know nine like he's he has made 11 coaching risks two of them were correct <laughs> His nine that were like the the 11 overall have cost him 90 points and it has cost him one win. Me, I have made 16 total coaching risks. Seven of them were correct. The 16 total have cost me 25 and a half points. Those 25 and a half points have cost me two fucking wins. (laughs) Like really? That's rough. Yeah. Like that's how close all of my matchups
0: are all the goddamn time that it, it, just, is, it just doesn't matter. Mickey's is pretty bad, too. It's just 14 points, 15 points, but it's cost him a game. Right. Or like,
1: like putts, you know, at his yeah, 1. 1. 1.8 1. 8. points lost. But – and again, like, it it's the total points. Like, his his seven incorrect decisions all could have been in the same week and could have cost him 100 points. But his six correct decisions – could have been spread out and made up that 99 points, 98 points, right. but just never earned him a win across the other 15 weeks. So it's a, it's a little skewed, but you're like, all right, it's not super impactful. Cause like Robbie, he's, you know, 10 for 15 and it's earned him 95 and a half points, but it never earned him an extra win. And then Nick, he's made nine total coaching risks and all of them were correct you know, earned him an extra 121 points and it's earned him two wins. Yeah, you know, so it's... Yeah, it's not, like, this dire, dire aspect, but it's just We should give you a breakdown
0: of what your coaching risk were.
1: Yeah. Like, this is, cool. this is when you were wrong. Right. Yeah, I give you, like, just, like, click into your... Your name, yeah. yeah. But I always go for like that elusive perfect lineup. And it's like when you're, you're like happy, but also mad that like your bench scores points, and you're like, oh,
0: damn. I wish. I wish. Yeah, I'm always didn't. looking at my bench. Like, I'm always like hoping my bench puts up a lot of points. That way, I'm like, cool. If I would have made that decision, either way, you know, put up a lot. Yeah, of like points. my my team's good enough to win. Yeah.
1: And, and a lot of yeah, times, man, it
0: just, like... It's pretty cool playoff race we don't have.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times where you end up being, like, wrong in your perfect lineup is because you'll have, like... <clears throat> like me, for example, I have Matt Libetor on my bench as a minor leaguer. At, so, he's guaranteed to get me zero points. So, if one of my starting pitchers go negative on the week, my perfect lineup shot. Because... I have a guaranteed pitcher that's gonna go zero, so it would have been better for me to put Limitor in than the guy I started. So that that's where like it becomes complicated, um, like or or difficult, I guess I should say, to get that that perfect lineup. Um. So like Gallon, for example if Gallon gets one point even, odds are your perfect lineup's gone because Cole's going to get zero. So you're just like, oh. Oh, true that, dude.
0: Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, hopefully, maybe Gallon will go negative.
1: Yeah, and then you're like, oh, shit, I should have played him. Um, But Straw, like, he's in here fucking things up with his nine-point day.
0: Um, yeah, he was the one I like thought about playing over Bader, but then I was like, if I don't play Bader, like I'm gonna watch all those games, so I'm gonna try. Right.
1: Yeah, because like where it where it becomes uh, difficult is like you have it, it could be a situation where you're like, okay, I'm gonna play. I could have played Cronenworth at second, and then yeah, like I'm able to play this guy like move this guy around you know whatever like it it just it gives like all these weird situations where you're like okay i could have put in like if Lau has you know where he's negative four on the day like on the week right now if he finishes like around one or two points it could be like all right well your perfect lineup you could have put garrett hampson in at second to get three points or like something crazy like oh, you could have, like, just as an example, because it doesn't look like you have another shortstop or maybe Escobar. Yeah, so Escobar, you could have been like, okay, I could have played Escobar at shortstop and moved Cronenworth to second base, and then Lau would have sat, and because Lau got me negative one point, I could have actually gotten Escobar in with his zero points, even though he couldn't have played second base. So it's like... You know that that's what they look at for a perfect lineup. It's like you could move guys around to any position, or whatnot. It's very it's very elusive. I'm gonna see if they uh, if you can look back. No, it doesn't look yeah, like they. Yeah, I had
0: day. To get Escobar out of the lineup only because he looked to be injured until at least tomorrow, and I didn't really want to fuck with it. Right. Yeah, you can uh, you can take a flyer on whether or not you
1: want to see if a guy's injured or not when they play on Monday, because you're like, okay, you didn't play tonight, so I'm gonna sit you for this guy that's playing tomorrow, um, and just not risk it. But when you're like, okay, <laughs> if I, if I don't change you out tonight, like I can't change you tomorrow, so know yep. I'm just not gonna run with it. But yeah, so that's uh, that's our fancy we'll we'll try to try to keep post with like where we're at i said like there isn't much you know chris is competing for um you don't get anything for having best overall record in the league um but you do get something for winning your division um in the blue division you're competing for 20 bucks the gold division it's 30 um because the gold division consists of the eight teams that make the playoffs every year so it's uh it's a an incentive to be competitive year in and year out, like to make the playoffs every year. Um, So you're competing for more money the next year. But I think you're, you're in good shape. I guess you guys still do have to play each other once. So that could close the gap one game, Um, but you just have to kind of handle
0: business in general. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll finish out strong. We'll finish out strong. And worse, come to worse, um, you know, I'd like to take a probably take a loss before the playoffs start. You know, yeah, just so I don't go in I haven't lost a game right in a while. Yeah. it's got the recipe of losing in the first round. It does.
1: Um, but yeah. So it's uh it's a tight race there. <clears throat> will be a lot going on. the The standings get updated each day with the previous day's points. Um, obviously, the record doesn't change till the the week's over, but mm-hmm. it'll it'll update. So you'll be able to kind of see a uh, continuous running total where we're at. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a situation for me. Like I said, like I'm in I'm in ninth, tied record wise, but I'm behind in points. But some of the teams like. Zach at 7-9, Adam Coates at 7-9. Like, they both have more points for than me. So, if they catch me in record, it's more spots I fall back. Um, So, I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Like, I hate this low point total nonsense. Um,
0: but I yeah, guess we my... can... My points for have uh, just constantly kept me in third place in the uh, power rankings. Yeah. It's like I can't even, like, I put up a gang more points than everybody two weeks ago and then followed up with another good week last week. You know, another 230 point week. And I'm still 150 ish points behind Bichette and Associates. Yeah. One, and 170. 100. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Ninety, yeah, yeah, ninety behind. Yeah, uh, he's, them, yeah so. he sees eighty-two back from. It's really easy in oh, standing. The next, the next, category, the next column is back. Like, yeah,
1: right? but it's it's only to the first place team. Yeah, the first place team. Yeah, yeah. so you can see like where where you're at and, in, nice. in total, but. You also have but my that, points against you. Is like you, the lowest. you also have that real low points against, which you know your team's just got strong defense, man. What, what can you do?
0: What can you eh, do? You know. uh, I, mean, I would I would care about that if I wasn't the uh, third highest scoring team. Correct,
1: and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, having a low point total doesn't necessarily equate to the the uh, the best record you know possible. Um, it certainly helps but I like, yes, this is a poor example because the second lowest points against is the team leading my division um, but like you're 13 and three, Nick is 12 and four. I have 25 more points against me than uh, Nick has against him and I'm eight and eight so it it doesn't it is it doesn't always just like oh well if you don't face somebody that puts up point total then you don't like you don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, but you're 400 points behind them in points for right, that's what I'm saying. Like the the scoring points is far more relevant in the grand scheme of things. Um, when teams have really good records, you will typically find that they are near the top in points scored. Um, where I think the bigger anomalies are is like the IL squad. They're at 32 25. So 600 points behind the top point scorer who's 11 and 5 and the IL squad's 10 and 6. So they're one game back but they have scored 600 less points than the other team. And their points against are about the same. But it's like man, like that's some some tough luck. Uh, it's it's taking it's having a number of losses that are like you know, so similar to last week, um, Nick and Adam Style were facing each other. And uh, Nick put up 252 points. Nick Aldrain put up 254. Adam Style put up 282. So Nick finished third in the league in scoring and lost. So other, other than Nick, every other team that won a matchup, so the other six teams... That got wins scored less points than Nick Stout did, but Nick lost. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so it's just it's a it's a tough loss. Like even in in situations, you know, like I think again, like you faced, you know, Mickey didn't finish bottom score, but he he only outscored the lowest point total by like twelve points. So he's just like scraping that bottom of the barrel. But I think for, because it's something that I actually keep track of on my high-low, it's like how many times you face the top score, how many times you face the low score.
0: Oh, dude, we just need more advanced analytic stats in our league.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I'm only through, because I don't, I don't do it like every week. Like, I just... It'll run for a couple weeks, and then I'll go back and fill everything in. Um, So I'm through 14 weeks. So through the first 14 weeks, Nick Stow faced the bottom score, or Nick Audrain faced the bottom score twice. But then in week 15, that was the week that me and you played 241, uh, 225. So, nope, that was Pope. So my cousin faced the bottom score. And then last week it was it, it was Nick. Nick faced the bottom score. So through 16 weeks he has faced the lowest point score of the week three times. And I think that that's yeah that's now more than anyone else. Um, but it's it's crazy to see like how often it's like how how much it gets spread out sometimes. Um, so like you have like the, the polar opposites that exist for like the IL squad, Timmy's team. So he's 10 and six. He has, he has been, um, I don't think he was bottom or top either of the other two weeks. Let me double check 15. 347 no so through 16 weeks he's 10 and 6 he finished as the low score four times so four of his six losses timmy would have lost to literally everybody um in addition to that he has faced the high score three times like he has faced the top point scorer three times so in and one of his losses he was the low point scorer, and he faced the top point scorer. He probably got blown out that week would be my guess.
0: And You're just finding that on... Um, like, where where yeah. I see those
1: numbers. Yeah. My, the Google documents that I put together. Oh,
0: you keep... Okay, got it. Got it, got yeah. it, got
1: it. Yeah, I have a, a handful of, of stuff that I fill out year to year um like playoffs stuff like that like what the playoff bracket look like um you know the high low draft pick trades draft board finances there's like a i have a separate excel spreadsheet for all those and then i just add a new tab so like i have the I have an electronic copy of the draft board going all the way back to two thousand fifteen. So it's like we could look back and see, you know, who who drafted who when.
0: Makes sense, makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was yeah, it's two thousand sixteen when I just started building the board in order of the the standings rather than actually in the the draft order. So that way I could just write down below like what the draft order was. So you could go back and see like, oh, who drafted? When did this get drafted? You know, who got drafted when? Yada, yada, yada. So I'm, I'm trying to see if there's like any cool Cool picks way back then that you're like,
0: like, oh damn, this guy like. Goals in the last round. I yeah, had
1: 2015. I took Ryan Braun in the second round. Yeah, how how times have
0: changed. And then he was a cheater. He's the worst kind of cheater though. He just denied it and denied it. Right up until he didn't deny it. Anymore. Yeah, I had
1: a geez, I had a team full of guys back then. Holy crap.
0: You're picking all the all the studs, huh? Yeah, I
1: had Cano, Braun, and Arod. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Look at this. Jose Ramirez twentieth round in two thousand fifteen. Jose Ramirez Where'd he go? I think he went in the first round to Mickey. I think that's who who took him. Maybe not. So. No. Uh, what the hell? Oh, yeah. I I was I was like, why? I was like, why isn't he there? I was like, there's no way he went later, and I realized I wasn't. I didn't scroll all the way up. Yeah, I'm assuming that's the same Jose Ramirez. I guess it, it may not be. I imagine, you know, Jose Ramirez is it's like being named John Smith. <laughs> so, common. Yeah, it's probably a pretty common name. But yeah, so if you if you ever want to, like, you know, so so I can go back and, and look at things. Some of it I, I didn't hold on to, though, because we had a, like, just had the physical draft board, and I wasn't.
0: I just held that, up.
1: Yeah, I just, yeah, I I just held like there are definitely years so like 2019, for example, we we drafted in person and so I had like I hand make stickers and whatnot and I have a board that I just put everything up onto. Um this was the first year that we did it, you know, electronically. I will probably find a means to just project it, especially now that I have a house that I can host at so I can set everything up ahead of time. Um, so it'll it'll probably remain an electronic draft board. But I got so tired of people being like, hey, can you send me a picture of the draft board? Hey, can you send me a picture of the draft board? So I just made a Google document, and I was like, here you go. Like, now you can just go look at this. Because, um, like, there's links to pretty much everything. Um, yeah, I, I still can... use it. Yeah, I think I think that the high low has a link on there. Maybe not though. I'm going to look to see. I know there's like four. Um, yeah, so it's the the rule book, the draft board, the playoff document, the weekly rumbles, and draft pick trades. There's a there's a link to all five of those documents. So if you ever wanted to go look at the the high low, because um, it shows you um go go back um like it'll like i said it breaks down like how many times you faced the high score, how many times you faced the low score, how many times you've been the high score, how many times you've been the low score, who got the high score, what that point total was, who they were playing, who got the low score, how many points it was so you could go back and look and be like, "Oh, I got you know I the answer is going to be you cuz i doubt anyone else breaks 400 points this year but you can go in and look and be like oh 430 points was the the highest point total but i also have it marked like the opening week and all-star week cuz those are the expent the extended weeks so yeah. it'll it'll be classified as such but if you're like oh hey i'm the only player that broke 300 points in, uh standard point total which I don't think has happened yet um, unless someone did it in period 15 because I haven't put that one in there yet as much as I'm looking at this I probably could just fill it out but I'm not going to so yeah so period 15 there were uh, oh period 15 oh, do I have this marked wrong yeah okay so I do. Period fifteen was the all star week, not period sixteen. Um. Oh. Delete. All right. So then last week, did anyone break 300? No. Yeah, so we still have not had anyone break 300 points in a standard week. We've
0: had guys get close. Now it's my week. I'm doing it without Garrett Cole. Probably not. Why would he need to score points today?
1: <clears throat> but yeah, I think you're you're running on what it was two in a row before last week that you were you were top points. I think so.
0: I think so. Yeah, and then I really just kind of slowed down last week cuz I started off as High point total again. I think I was high point total all the way up to like Thursday. I think I lost it on Thursday, but then my team never really was able to recapture it. I had really bad pitching week last week. I might carry over to this week. We'll see. But yeah, because I know I ended uh, up passing you. Yeah. But I had
1: a huge weekend,
0: so. Yeah. <clears throat> but I did not. I was just lucky Mickey did not. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, he didn't do much of anything last week. Yeah. So I was, I was all right. Yeah. I'm really, I guess I'm, I'm really hoping that he loses this week. Cause if I win, then I don't, I don't care if people behind me win. If I keep winning, you know what I mean, Vern?
0: True. True, true, true. Um,
1: Yes, yeah, so I know we dabbled a little bit into it, but the trade deadline for MLB.
0: Or trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, I don't know, like it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna remain like I'm gonna maintain my cautious optimism when it comes to the Yankees. I think they added pieces that they needed, you know, in Gallo and Rizzo. Um, they didn't move some pieces that it doesn't make sense to me that they didn't like Voight, for example. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the game plan is for like when they bring Hicks back, like when he comes back healthy next year. So my, my concern is because they didn't move these guys and they're still under contract. Well, I I guess like Voight still in arbitration, but Hicks is still under uh, a big-time deal. So if you bring Hicks back to play center field, then you have Judge and Gallo as your corner outfielders if you if you re-sign Gallo. um, You know, Urshela, Torres, LeMahieu, and but then you have the void situation, and then you still have Sanchez behind the plate. So it's like, all right, well... If they traded Voight, I would feel better about them going in to re-sign a guy or add a free agent piece. Like, say, you know, Rizzo wants to go somewhere else. Like, he doesn't like playing in New York or whatnot. Um, it's also weird to me that they keep – they they want to do this stupid lineup makeup where they have one of those guys batting second. Um and I don't, I don't think they should. I would much prefer, like I think Gallo made a comment about it, that he likes batting more like fourth or fifth because he likes to see a little bit more of the game unfold. Um, so I think you should have guys that will take pitches in in those roles, like in the top of the lineup. Um, that's where I think like, so LeMahieu will certainly do that. Um, and I think Judge does that but they have judge batting third so they can do this whole right, left, right thing. And I'm like, I'm not, don't, don't worry about that shit. Like let these guys threaten and, and like see pitches. If that's going to have
0: to see the same guys. Yeah.
1: Like if it's, if it's beneficial, like capitalize on your pitching There's a reason why you had Judge in the two-hole previously, not batting third. It wasn't because you didn't have power to put in front of him. So just LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Gallo, you know, sure, whatever. And the reason why I say Rizzo, Stanton, Gallo instead of Gallo, Stanton, Rizzo is because if LeMahieu and Judge both get on, the likelihood of seeing back-to-back strikeouts from Gallo and Stanton is much higher than Rizzo and Stanton. Um, so if, if Rizzo is able to drive a run in or at least have another productive at bat, you can, I, like, I feel the likelihood of driving in a run is, is there. Um, yeah, like you're, you're going to get more productive outside of Rizzo than you will Stan or Gallo usually. So I I prefer that lineup makeup and Gallo has already said he likes to bat further back in the lineup. Um, so you have those guys one through five. It'll it'll be nice once they are kind of back and healthy because their still not back. Uh, Lemayhu just came back. Uh, he appeared as a pinch hitter last night and then started tonight. So it'll it'll be nice when you're when you're there because I think you can put in you know, Urshela in that sixth spot. I think you can put Sanchez in in the seventh spot. You can have Torres bat eight. And then it just depends on who you have out in left field, essentially, as to who you're gonna bat in your in the ninth spot or center field. Like if you want Gardner to play center field and Gallo's in left, judges in right, or if Judges in center, Gallo's in right, you know, and it's Clint Fraser or whoever whoever they decide to put out there. Um, for that particular game. Just, you know, what you would have them bat ninth. Right. And, like, I'm, I'm fine with it being Gardner right now. I mean, Frazier's not healthy. Um, he's struggled anyway. So, whatever. Gardner takes good at bats. Just let him be gritty down there to add some speed. I also wouldn't mind seeing them give, like, Tyler Wade playing time out in the outfield because I think that it adds um, another dynamic there. I think getting... Floriel and Greg Allen starts. I think Floriel got sent down with adding Rizzo um, and Gallo. But it's like, I don't, it makes me nervous because I don't know what they're going to do with Voight. You know, so I'm like, I'm I'm happy with the additions, but because they didn't give up some of the pieces that I felt like they could have, that were team-controlled, and major league ready that you were like okay we're not necessarily all in on that other on the other makeup not working you know we think it's a fluke that our offense didn't click so we're just going to bring these guys in as rentals we didn't sell our future and we're going to go back to the drawing board and we're going to try to stay healthy next year that's that's the concern that i have coming out of the trade deadline from the yankees
0: Do you don't think they'll try to re-sign either?
1: I don't. I don't know. Like I, I, I hope they do, um, or I guess not necessarily even re-sign. I hope they try to add to that. Um, I don't. I don't mind Gallo. However, I don't think what they need is another power hitter. Um, I think they need guys with better contact. Um, I really wouldn't mind them bringing in like an extremely like. Defensive centric, um, center fielder like a Kiermaier or something like that, like um, Harrison Bader. I, yeah. I mean, I guess theoretically, like it, it would be a similar fit. I don't know that. The, I don't know what the Cardinals would be looking for. Probably another outfield prospect. Yeah.
0: They're like, hey, you guys want Luke Voigt back? You guys are going <laughs> to DH. Yeah. I like how Bader, how here. awesome would it be?
1: If the Yankees traded Voight back to the Cardinals for, like, Bader and, like, Woodford.
0: Like, here you go. And you guys Bader get and back. they're like, we'll take Bader and uh, uh, which catcher do you guys want to give us? Oh, that would be cool, too. Like, Kisner and Bader for Luke Voight.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll give you Zach Britton. You can get another left-handed relief
0: pitcher. Yes, dude. And what? Wait, is he 37? He. I don't think he's that old. I think he's like 35. All right, we'll take him in a couple years. Gotcha.
1: He he does throw – his primary pitch is a, a sinker ball, and it's in the 90s. So, oh, well, hey. But he's a left-hander that throws down in the zone. Yeah, he's a left-hander that tries – it's he's left tries to throw down in the zone. He doesn't have as much success with it. He's kind of susceptible to the long ball, but sometimes well, his sinker
0: doesn't sink. our defense is so good. We, we don't, you know, it's hard to give up the long ball when you got a defense as good as we got. Very true. Um,
1: but yeah, I, I think that that would be a, a good fit. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I think Aaron Hicks is an, is an above average defensive center fielder. And, But what he lacked in his defense, he made up for offensively. Like, he took very good at bats. He was very patient at the plate. He hit for enough power. He had a decent average. All of that seemed to go away. I don't know if it was this wrist injury that he's dealing with um, that basically, like, he had the surgery and shut him down for the year. So, I don't know if recovering from that, he will be fine. You know, so so that's the route that they want to go. But that's what I think that they – like the the kind of missing piece that they need to bring in. Um, You know, in in my opinion, it would be like a a Dylan Carlson-esque type guy. Like I would like it to be a center fielder that could bat second in a lineup, you know, or bat leadoff and have LeMahieu bat second. Um, That's the type of player that I'd like to see them add, but I don't know – who per se I want that to be. Um Yeah, so I I don't know who would make what available if they go the route of uh if they're gonna add like a power bat, I I think that Gallo is fine. Like it's good good makeup. I don't know what he will cost. I would say um, Scott
0: Boris thinks he's gonna cost, you know, yeah. Bryce Harper money, so
1: Yeah, at that price, no. I'm um, I'm cool with that not being there. Gallo does have a little bit of speed, like he has stolen some bases, he can run a bit. Um, so that helps with that dynamic. But you know, he made a great catch tonight, uh, out in the outfield. So it, it has its, it, it has its advantages, but it's like, they just, they didn't move anything else at the major league level. So like these, these roster spots are easy to navigate currently because they have guys that are hurt, but those guys are under contract. So when they come back, I don't know what their, what their additions going to be. Um, I, I think, like, you could see some moves, like, in the offseason, since the Marlins dealt Marte, you might be able to get, like, Hicks and Voight to Miami if if there is the universal DH, because they have Jesus Aguilar at first base, and they're not going to give him up for Voight, but if they have the DH, you could you could move Voight in that as well, but, or it would be, like, Hicks going to Miami along with, you know, maybe a uh, uh, prospect like a, a Volpe or um, Davy Garcia, something like that, and you try to get one of these young pitchers from Miami, um, Sixto Sanchez, Rogers, um, Alcantara, uh, Pablo Lopez. Like, I think that they – like, there's just – they have a, yeah, a they decent a number, over there. yeah, pretty decent number of young arms, and you have a cost-controlled center fielder, switch hitter, above-average defense. Could and it's it's a relatively team-friendly deal. I think it's like an average annual value, of like a little under ten million, so it's affordable. And they they have this this centerpiece there. Um, like they do have, you know, Magnus Sierra. They do have Lewis Brinson. So you may not even need Hicks to play center field. Um, But that's that's just what I'd like to see them do is to to get creative and move these pieces and bring in some cost-controlled pitching. Um, The tie-on deal is starting to turn the tide. Yeah, Um, AL Pitcher of the Month. Yeah, it took him a little bit to figure some things out. But he hadn't pitched in a while, so I think that's – fine um so they'll you know have they have Cole they'll have Tyon they have Herman, they have Montgomery um so really it's like who's going to replace the Kluber spot but if Severino comes back then really like you're you're sitting on five major league efficient starting pitchers and you still have King, Schmidt, Garcia, Um, all down in the minors, you know, if, if someone goes down, like you have options to bring guys up, um, Nectar Cortez has been great. You know, he was a bullpen guy. They started to stretch him out. He's been very serviceable. Um, they have the very terrible, uh, Andrew Heaney that they, they traded for him.
0: Um, oh, dude! Just because he had one bad game, his first game of the Yankees, he's
1: had many bad games.
0: Um, the last time he pitched,
1: the last time he pitched in Yankee Stadium was just like a month ago, and the Yankees like lit him up. They scored, like seven runs off him in two innings. Also gave up a whole bunch of home runs. Now yeah, maybe down, they'll tell line. him, like,
0: dude, you're tipping, you tipping your pitches, dude. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's doing doing something. I guess they should have told him
0: before he started
1: tonight. I guess. Yeah, that that would make sense. Like now that he's on the squad, um, but yeah, maybe like, I thought it was funny to not tell him. Yeah, like, <laughs> see how many home runs he gives up tonight, sucker. But yeah, We're so going it's to the team. so it's uh, it's like I'm I'm very happy overall. I think they position themselves to legitimately give themselves a shot at making the playoffs. Um, I think Oakland is very catchable for them. They have. You know, they have moved in the right direction. Um, as late, I mean, they went five and one last week. They had an opportunity to sweep the, the Rays and they failed to do so um, by getting blown the fuck out. Um, but then Boston got swept by Tampa Bay and the Yankees. So like the Yankees took two out of three from Tampa Bay. Then they swept the Marlins. So they picked up a game on Tampa Bay. Then they held par with Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay swept Boston, so they picked up three games on Boston. So they're six behind the Red Sox, seven behind the Rays. They still have head-to-head games against both. And with with the loss tonight to the Orioles, because he needs terrible, they are three games back behind Oakland. Um, so they and I think they still have like three or four games left against the A's. Um. With Seattle beating Tampa Bay, they're I think they're tied standing wise with Seattle, but the Yankees have two games in hand, so I, I think they they made moves they made decisions that will put them in a better spot over the course of the rest of the year. I I think these last two months they will be a better team because like the the record will continue to trend in the right direction. I don't I still don't know that they will be able to reel in. Boston and or Tampa Bay, um, but I certainly think they could, you know, find themselves traveling somewhere for that wild card game. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I agree we'll, with that statement. We'll uh we'll keep an eye on it. I I I know we talk about the record, but I, we weren't really paying attention to how far out they were previously. So that's like really what I've started to track, um, to see, you know, what what they have, um, where, where they're at, like in the standings, because, you know, time is of the essence at this point where most teams have less than 60 games remaining. They, they kind of need to start gaining ground now. Um, which losing to Baltimore is not, it's not the way to do that.
0: Not, not going to be how you help your case there.
1: Yeah. Um, but the the Cardinals, on the other hand, I
0: said, speaking of not gaining ground,
1: yeah, like they're like I I don't even want to say that like they aren't they aren't playing better baseball because I I feel like they are like I I feel like they are in they are in more games than they are out, but when they when they lose, they look real bad.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, it's the. I mean, it's your classic 500 team. I mean, you you look all right, and then you look lost, then you look good, and then you're like, "What the fuck happened to that?" You know, it's like when you're 500. That's just kind of how that ends up, typically.
1: Right. Um, so. um, I think it it is. We're we're at another one of those stretches that it starts with the like the Braves yet again, that they have some. Um, a more friendly schedule coming up for the rest of this month. I'm three against the Braves. Then it's so three against Atlanta, three against the Royals. Then they go on the road, play three at Pittsburgh, three at Kansas City, come home, three against Milwaukee, three against Pittsburgh, two against Detroit. Then they go on the road, four against Pittsburgh, two against Cincinnati to to wrap up the month. And I think it's a I think it's a three game series, it might be a four game three game series. So if you exclude the Cincinnati at the end of the month, so the next four weeks you're playing three games against a team that's above 500. Yeah. Like this, this to me, this is the month that they, they have to make that move. I think you like you, you have the, the added advantage of 10 games against Milwaukee in september but at the same time your schedule in september is so difficult the likelihood that you're not going to drop games outside of
0: those series is pretty minimal um and currently the likelihood of like beating milwaukee the way you need to is probably not your best outcome either
1: right like you're i'm yes it's 10 games against milwaukee Let's say you you've cut the lead because there are nine and a half games behind Milwaukee right now. They also still have to catch mm. the Reds, like they're also two and a half games behind Cincinnati. Yeah. So they for... were
0: ten games now because Milwaukee won tonight. Okay, so so
1: ten games out now, um, and then in the wild card, which they're closer to, but it might be more difficult. Got easier with Tatis Jr. getting hurt and having shoulder surgery being done for the year. Um, but they're six and a half. I don't know if if San Diego played tonight or not. Uh, It doesn't look like it. Yeah. So, so 10 games out behind Milwaukee, six and a half games behind San Diego, two and a half games behind Cincinnati, who they'd have to jump. um, They'd have to pass for either wild card or the division. Um, So they, they have their work cut out for them for sure. So even if you cut that lead in half and you're, you're, you cut it to five games, in order to pick up those games, like you're like if you wanna make it up head to head, you're talking about going seven and three, eight and two against Milwaukee to cut down a five game deficit. And the the series outside of that, like yes, they have the advantage of playing seven games against the Cubs, like in the final week of the season, but you're gonna have a new look Cubs team. That they aren't going to be brand new. Like, they're going to have their September call-ups. The Cubs traded away a whole bunch of people. They're going to have a lot of kids looking to find roster spots for next season. So, they will be very hungry, regardless of what their record is. So, it's a, a yeah. very dangerous series, both of those. And by that point, it, it might just be over. Like, you, you may be out of it by then anyway. Um, But before that, you also play... Like I said, you, you finish up this month against Cincinnati. Then you have your first series against Milwaukee. Then it's four against LA, three against Cincinnati, three against the Mets, three against the Padres. So you're playing, you know, four straight series. Against, or if you count Cincinnati and Milwaukee, that's six series in a row. And then after San Diego, you get Milwaukee for four more. So you have basically four weeks following these next four weeks, Against teams that are only in the playoffs or a playoff hunt, you know, since the, the Reds are right there, you know, they're only what four games back to San Diego. So the Reds are also trying to make that push, not to mention the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Mets and the Padres all added pieces of the trade deadline to make themselves better. So they were, they were already better than the Cardinals from the beginning of April through the end of July but then at the end of July they made additions to make their team better while the Cardinals added J.A. Happ and John Lester.
0: Ooh dude, just perennial all-stars. Yeah. 10 15 years ago maybe.
1: Yeah, get the the Cardinals team feels very old to me all of a sudden.
0: Like it's <laughs> yeah, we it's crazy were like young prospects now we're old farts
1: yeah i mean you have what i'm i'm trying to look at this so if you were born <laughs> what anytime before 91 you're over 30 at this point essentially or you're turning 30 this year
0: um uh yeah. Wait. 91 01
1: yeah yeah so you have so so you currently have a situation like Lester and LeBlanc are are both older than us they were born 84 um Hat was born 82 so you're what LeBlanc and Lester Lester's already 37 LeBlanc will be 37 in a week um hap will be turning 39 at the end of this year like in october so he's 38 you have Ueno, who was born in 81 you know he's getting ready to turn 40 at the end of the month um and then even like miller was born 85 so he's, he's mid 30s uh justin justin miller was born in 87 uh kim was born in 88 Luis Garcia was born in '87. Uh, Guy was born in '91. He's getting ready to turn 30. So you're going to have Genesis Cabrera and Alex Reyes and Ryan Helsley will be the only pitchers in on your on your major league staff currently that are under the age of 30. Um, you have Molina behind
0: the plate. He's he's getting old. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, when you pass uh Albert Pujols on the all-time Cardinals hit list, you got to be kind of old. Yeah. Uh, you have uh you know, I mean
1: Arenado's only he's 30, but you know that's the age we've been utilizing
0: as vet as a veteran. Yeah.
1: You got Goldschmidt was born in 87. Um so these are just like the the staples of the team. Um, Goldschmidt was only born a year after I was. Yeah, he's doing way more of this life than we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you have like DeYoung, was born in '93. Edmond '95. Um.
0: Oh, that's so ridiculous.
1: Rondone was born in '94. Edmondo Sosa was born in '96, allegedly. I guess we never really know what those guys.
0: Wow, allegations,
1: <laughs> spread rumors on the interleague, are we? <laughs> um Bader was born in 94 Carlson 98 new bar 97 O'Neill 95 so the outfield the outfield's nice and young none of them over 30 oh yeah
0: the outfield's always been nice and young though
1: yeah none of them over 30 you got the young only 28 but I think that I, I think that they need to find an upgrade for him for sure yep um I think Edmund needs to go back to being a super utility guy but your your window is, is closing. I mean, like I said, Goldschmidt will be 34 later this this year. Um, Arenado turned 30 earlier this year, so the, those guys are are getting getting aged. You know, Molina. Like you're you're looking at almost an entire lineup of guys other than your your outfield, you know, that are over the age of 30, and that's. It's not like, oh, man, this this team's a bunch of grandpas. The pitching staff, yes. Like, if you have a whole bunch of guys over 35, that's old. But, if you like, your prime for baseball is typically 27 to 30. So, that's what they got Goldschmidt and Arenado for, is, like, the end of, like, was after their prime. Like, they're hoping that they continue to stay hot. And I think Goldschmidt, you've seen that he didn't. Like, he hasn't been... Like he hasn't been terrible, but he's not the same Paul, Ka- Paul Goldschmidt he was in Arizona.
0: Yeah, it, it takes him a little longer to get out of a funk. Yeah, I and or figure it out again. Does it? Does it mean that he's just doomed?
1: Like, oh, they're over the age of thirty. Take him out back, put him down. No, of course not. And Goldschmidt is by no means like, oh, he sucks. Get rid of him. But they're only getting older, and these are moves that were brought in and sold to the the best fans in baseball as decisions that were going to put another championship, like bring another championship to St. Louis. That window is, is only rapidly closing. Like, like it, things aren't how they used to be. Like the NL central is becoming more and more competitive. And unfortunately, so, so fortunately you have the Pittsburgh pirates who just won't spend money if that team ever gets sold to a team that will like to an ownership that will invest money into their player base, that'll be, that'll be dangerous because the hype that would be there and the prospect pool that they have, you're probably looking at like a potential Tampa Bay Rays situation in the NL, um, you know, where San Diego is currently really. Um, but the, but the other piece I is need
0: CEO to come in and <laughs> fix
1: it all up so the other teams Milwaukee is making moves. They're trying, they're trying to compete. Now they know that their windows now Cincinnati, they, they had, they were aggressive. It didn't work out They're. They've kind of laid off a little bit. I think a big reason why they backed off a little bit is likely those mid markets like St. Louis, Cincinnati, you know, Milwaukee probably were more so impacted by COVID than other markets. Um, because they just they rely heavily on that poll, so they like them
0: paycheck to paycheck. Yeah,
1: could could they afford it? Absolutely, sure. That that's not my argument. But if they have a business model that says, "Hey, these are the things that we can do and we can be successful, and these are all the things that can happen if we pull three million fans." Yeah. Well, when they don't and they get zero fans for a year, there's. There's got to be some squeezing that happens, um, but I think that has taken place this year um, where you saw deals like Arenado's contract having all of the money for this year paid for. So they've gotten Arenado services for $0 this year. Um, they, like, And we talk about it all the time that Carpenter is a free agent next year, but he's not. Carpenter is one year left. Oh, really? Yeah. Like he's under contract for oh, no.
0: 2022.
1: Yeah, I don't know where. No. Like, I don't know why I was always under the impression that he was a free agent. I thought agent. he had to
0: have so. No, I thought he had to have so many at bats this year. Yeah,
1: and I think that that vested. No. Yeah, because like if I look at his contract now, um, yeah, it just it shows that it's, or is it in a different color? I, or no? So yeah, it so it did vest already. So it the twenty twenty two option vests with eleven hundred plate appearances across 2020 and 2021. And it is showing, at least on SportRack, which I use for contract stuff all the time, that um, it, it shows that it did vest. So he is under contract for $18.5 million for 2022 at 36 years old.
0: <laughs> um, uh... I thought we looked at the beginning of the year. I thought
1: we did too, but I all that's I'm like I'm going off of the website that I've that I has not steered me wrong in other scenarios.
0: Um, I'm pretty sure that's an option though. Twenty 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 two option vest.
1: Right, It vests with eleven hundred plate appearances across this really year won. and last year.
0: So how many?
1: So if we look. I mean, he, he certainly is not there, but I don't know what they did in terms of like prorating what what it would be for last year. Cuz like they only played 60 games and he played in 50 of those games. So if they're like, oh, "Okay, well, we're like it Hello? needed to be 1100, so we say you know, so if, if they're like, all right, well, 1,100 over two seasons would be 550 plate appearances a year, and we only played in, you know, X percent of games, so we'll say it vests if you like, if it got to this number or whatever. Uh, that's what I'm saying. All I know is that it says that it vested. I don't, I don't know. He is not at 1,100 yeah. plate appearances. He had 100.
0: Yeah, he had 169 last, last year in his uh... right. So I
1: I would think that he would still have more. I'm just going off of what the website says is that it vested. But I but I don't I don't know that for sure. I just know that it shows he I'm I'm trying to see if I can find.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm on track. All right. Then it also says contract notes twenty twenty two option vest with eleven hundred plate appearances across twenty twenty, twenty twenty one and he's only had I mean, three hundred and some change. So there's no way he... He gets to 1100, which means it won't vest. So that contract's over with trying to scare me, dude. Don't try to scare me like that.
1: No. So, so according to this article that I'm reading, they're saying the. Um. So they're saying that uh, the shortened season of 2020 took the vesting aspect out of the picture but they don't know if that means that it's now just a $12 million club option with a $2 million buyout or vested options automatically vest. Send, you know, if it were incentive based. So since it was taking out of, it was taken away from him and they were like, if the agreement that they came to was like, okay, well we'll take partial pay. But if there was something relied on performance based numbers, for an option to vest, it automatically vests. So I don't Yeah, no, I'm not believing it. He
0: gone. He gone. That's how my brain business and, is. He and gone. You can,
1: and you can say that he's gone, but if it's left up to the team, it's a twelve million dollar option. I'd be willing to bet money the Cardinals picked that up. But we just won't watch Cardinals baseball next year either. Yeah, because they'll be like, we got him at a six it now, and John
0: Mosealock. If you bring back Matt Carpenter, I won't watch one game next year. It's not happening. <laughs> like, Don't waste we, my time.
1: We got him at a six and time. a half million dollar
0: discount. Yeah, unless he unless they re-sign Carpenter and then John Moselock and Gersh get fired, then I'll watch Cardinals baseball. But <laughs> if they bring in these old-ass lefties at the trade deadline and find a way to bring back Matt Carpenter, yeah, we just go ahead and hopefully Buffalo gets a baseball team that I can watch <laughs> next year while I'm watching the Bills. You know what I'm saying? Well, Buffalo has a baseball team. They're
1: the Toronto Blue Jays. Yep. There is yep, not. So. There's not in Buffalo anymore.
0: Go Blue Jays! (laughs) It's like half Battlehawks, half Blue
1: Jays. It did sound more like Battlehawks, but they also died, so... At least for now. Who knows if they'll ever be back, but... Yeah, you know, we've had them twice. Yeah, so it'll be... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, Who knows? But I... I do agree with the fact at least that they 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 went like made with this mentality of like hey we we did we did something we didn't sell our future we're trying to be competitive but then they just added guys that are like all right we're gonna have them eat innings and like I said like when we were we were talking earlier so you have you have Wainwright you have Kim those two guys are gonna be in your lineup You brought in LeBlanc. He's been fine. He's been serviceable. You traded for And he's been like
0: lucky serviceable. Yeah. You would (laughs) have just, you're like so lucky you're getting that out of him. It's not even funny.
1: Right. So, and then, so then you trade for Lester. You trade for Hap. You don't give up a bunch. Um, but in not giving up a bunch, you, you got similar pieces. Um, You know, so that they, for the, in the lesser deal, they dealt from a position of strength. The Cardinals were deep in outfield. You gave up Lane Thomas. Am I, do I like the move? Not necessarily, but who knows what Washington wanted. Um, I think the guy you pull the plug on should have been Justin Williams. Um, You gave him a fair shot at the major leagues early on in the year, and he did not produce. Uh, Thomas has had a hard time staying healthy, though. So if that's throughout, you're going to go like, Hey, we're not worried about n- losing time, not because you're not productive, but because you're not healthy. I think Lane Thomas has been hurting each, like the last two or three years. Um, mm-hmm. I know at least the last two, I don't know if he got hurt or whatever in 2019, I feel like he didn't get called up at a point in time because he was hurt down in Memphis. So if health is a concern, then there you go. See ya. Um, But you you brought in a guy, and they're like, to quote-unquote eat innings, which is fine. Um, Same with Hap. Hap, you give up John Gant. Gant, 10 years younger. He's a right-handed pitcher versus a left-handed pitcher. Gant has better strikeout stuff. Like, he has a a much better whiff rate than Hap does. Their whip's about the same, but Hap walks way less guys. Well, to me, that means Hap gives up more hits. I don't know what kind of contact that is though. So it's like your point. If Hap gave up more hits because Minnesota's infield couldn't get to anything, then having the Cardinals infield seemingly should take away those, um, you know, some of those hits making him more productive either way. Mm -hmm. Both of their ERAs are like well North of five. They haven't Mm -hmm. been good for the last year or two. Like Hap was terrible last year.
0: Um, When you say eat innings, how many innings do you think that should be? I
1: I would think that if you say that you're going to have a guy get, like, a starter eat innings, they are going five plus every time.
0: All right, cool. So, J.A. J. Happ has pitched in 19 games, and he's pitched 98 innings, which averages five point one. Maybe 5.2. So so he's right there. He's right at the threshold. Yeah. John Lester has pitched 75 innings this year at 16 games, and he is right under at 4.6 innings. So he's got to up it. He's got to pick it up. And John Lester's ERA is a big old five, and Jay Hap's ERA is a big 6.7. So it means in five or less innings, they're giving up five to six runs. And that's what you want to eat up innings, but you're going to try to claim that you're, well, you're, half, Oh, Hey, we're staying competitive.
1: Half that. Cause NRI is based on nine and in, nine innings. So mm-hmm. they're giving up five to six runs every nine innings. They pitch if they're pitching about four and a half innings and in outing. So they're giving up two and a half to three runs, but that means your, your offense has to score early and often, or you're bringing your bullpen into games where you're down. You know, right. like you're, you're getting zero quality starts out of any of these guys. So while I agree, the issue that I have, like the, my takeaway for it is I don't, I don't give a shit what Memphis does. Like, why can't Libertor pitch in St. Louis? Yep. Like, why can't Angel yep. Rondon close pitch the door in St.
0: Louis? That. Close the door on that.
1: But, and, and really, and really did they? What what innings do they need guys to eat? Like, everyone's talking about that all signs point towards Hudson being back in September. You're supposed to be getting Flaherty and Michaelis back later this month. So then what happens? Like, when when you bring Flaherty and Michaelis back, let's say Hudson doesn't even come back. Let's say you bring Flaherty and Michaelis back. It, have they said, like, if Carlos Martinez is done for the year?
0: Yeah, he is done for okay. the
1: year. So you don't have to worry about that but you, so you, you bring back Flaherty, you bring back Michaelis. So who do you, who do you take out of your rotation at that point? You have Wainwright, Kim, Flaherty, Michaelis.
0: Oh, you got a then, seven man rotation, dude. Oh,
1: and that's how you eat innings.
0: It's yeah, like, dude, we're just like, you just don't, yeah. you don't have to, or they're going to, so I've also heard, um, that maybe when they bring Flaherty back, that they, um, they have like a starter, Um, or something, they kind of like platoon him to save him. I highly doubt that's the case, but I've heard that in conversation. Um, But if
1: that's – so so even like – so we'll start with that first idea. If that is what you're going to do and you're going to utilize an opener for Flaherty and try to get someone through the first three to six batters, they pitch the first inning or two and then you bring Flaherty into a game – does that give your team the best opportunity to win?
0: I mean, when it's Jack Flaherty, no, right? So when it's supposed to be Jack Flaherty anyway. No.
1: Correct. So if if Jack Flaherty isn't one hundred percent, don't bring him back. Right. Let him get healthy. Be healthy for twenty twenty two. Don't have these lingering shoulder, oblique, lat injuries, whatever the fuck it is. Don't don't just have it never be one hundred percent. Just rehab, rest, get healthy, and come back. Don't be another Miles Michaelis who hasn't pitched for the Cardinals but one start in the last two years. Yep. Like don't like you're, This yeah. guy's just making a killing to be hurt for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't believe Michaelis is coming back this year, um, especially with his almost kind of came back earlier. It's never good when you almost kind of come back. And then it would seemingly – well, they did. did come back. to come or they seem like they had trade for pitchers because they know that they're going to need some help and they don't really have pitchers right and they,
1: and that's the, and that's the issue that I take from it is that you're like, oh well we didn't sell the future and we want to stay competitive but but what does that mean? like how are you trying to stay competitive and then you trade for guys that seemingly are just going to be innings eaters? Why did you add two guys to that are gonna what help you for based on what you're saying for the next two weeks? Like you're what you're gonna get three starts out of Happ and Lester apiece, and then you get Flaherty and Michaelis back based on what you keep telling everybody. And you're trying to compete this year. Well, if you're trying to compete this year, you're gonna put your best starters in. That would be throwing Flaherty and Michaelis once every five games over Happ and Lester. So now at this point, you gave up John Gant, Evan Sisk, which hasn't pitched above double-A, but he's a left-handed pitcher, 24 years old. Who knows what he's going to become. He's probably not the next Tony Losey, but you know, it's, it's another youth arm that you gave up. And And Hey, but he's
0: future NL pitcher of the week. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And you, and you gave up Lane Thomas They granted the twins and the nationals kicked in money. Sure. Great, grand, wonderful, but you, you gave up a controlled John Gant. You gave up a team controlled Lane Thomas you gave up a team-controlled Evan Sisk for six starts from two below-average pitchers that were phenomenal at points of their career but haven't been that in quite some time. So that's, that's competitive. Like, just a, a, a spot start, fill the gap. Like, the bullpen's been a never-ending circle of waiver-wire pickup pitchers that other teams didn't want. Yeah, you know, like it's just like don't. Yeah, you know, like have have you ever seen the movie Fired Up?
0: I don't think so. Two
1: two football players they go to cheer camp instead so they can clean up some poon. It's like uh, there. It's a, it's a comedy. It's, uh, it's pretty good. I don't, I don't know. It sounds it's somewhat an, familiar, but I don't yeah, know. it's it's enjoyable for what it is. It's not like an Oscar movie by any means. Yeah. yeah but
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. one of the, one of the guys that have a younger sister that it's like relatively adult like in a lot of ways, but she, she has a line that whenever people are selling me bullshit, it always makes me think of it. And it's like, you can, t- you can piss on my face. Just don't tell me it's raining. <laughs> like, so, so cool. Like, don't, don't tell me that you're going to be competitive and then make these moves because if you think that these moves are what are made by competitive teams, you should no longer be at the helm of this team's front office. Like if you were going to position yourself to say like, Hey, we're, we're going to have a big piece of humble pie and we're going to, we're not, we're not going to forfeit 2021, but we're making decisions to better this team for 2022 and beyond. And this is when we think we're going to make our move. Like, we fully anticipate winning the NL Central in the in 2022. Here's how we're gonna do it. In in that mindset, like to me, it would be it would have been moves like bringing in Adam Frazier, like bringing someone that's that's locked up for next year, um, trading away some pieces that maybe you got to give up some prospects, but for like a Jose Barrios, where you know you're gonna have to figure out some rotational shit, bring that in. Like, does he help you win it all this year? Probably not. But you have him for next year. And this is, hey, these are the things that we're going to add now when we can. And then we'll see what we can do where things shake out with everyone else in the offseason. And this is how we're going to, you know, let everyone feel better that Arenado's is going to stick around. Like, we dealt with a plethora of pitching injuries, and that absolutely killed us this year. So we we weren't able to be as competitive as we would like but we're positioning ourselves for next year. You know, deal Kim if you're if you're not planning on resigning him or if you are planning on resigning him, who cares? Deal him. get some prospects back. Yep. You know, like go go that route if you're not if you're not wanting to trade away your future and you're not going to bring in pieces to make a difference here, don't just tread water. I would have rather they did nothing. You know, just preach confidence in the, what we had talked about, like, they're not going to do anything. Then they're going to say, well, we got Flaherty and Michaelis back shortly after the trade deadline. That's kind of like trading for an ace. Like that, you know, that approach.
0: Yeah. We haven't had him for a while, so we'll be able to make a better push with these guys. Yeah.
1: It's, so it's, is it a, is it a feasible argument? Sure. Is it one that any fan base likes to hear? No, because it's, uh, Hey, just don't be mad at us like <clears throat> like babe I thought you said you'd do the dishes I did well they're still dirty I didn't say I'd do the dishes today <laughs> like that that's what that is so <clears throat> yeah, like I I would rather them just have said like we we were we dealt with injuries this year but we have confidence that the 25 26 guys we put together would have easily competed for the NL central. If we stayed healthy, like we know that there are some areas that we can improve in. If we can get healthy and make some uh, upgrades to the team in the off season, you know, we feel we can be there. You know?
0: Yeah. And if you needed a guy to eat innings, like why doesn't John Gant just eat innings? Right. Like, like what, if what they're, what they're not, not quality, you, they're not fucking quality innings anyway. Yeah. And they're not going to be with Jay hat, but at right. least, you keep can cost control John Gant on your team, who, being a good relief pitcher and a quality like, hey, we might need to start you today, guy. Like, you know, he he pitches well in situations. So, seemingly, just go ahead and let another team have that, so you can get a guy. Older and almost exactly like him. To right. Say he he's just, just, he, just gives no up, Damn. he
1: just gives up more contact. Like, sure. He throws it in the strike zone more often, but it gets hit. So, so great. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. Killing it. Killing it.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll yep. see. It's a high um, quality moves.
1: Yeah. Like it, it was just very underwhelming from a Cardinal standpoint
0: and it and typical Cardinals give the old guy no one <laughs> wants anymore and see if they can turn him into something you know right and when, every time now I look at John Lester I'm looking at the other John uh, that was on our team um that also came from Boston uh, um you know what I'm talking about um mm.
1: I'm drawing a blank I I feel like I do know who you're thinking of
0: but yeah, at least him though we signed like during the off season. Uh, boss Lackey, yeah, John Lackey. Yeah, yep. yep. I was like, I knew
1: it would come to me. I said to stop and think for a minute.
0: Yeah, John Lackey. Uh, fucking, there's been plenty of them. Yeah, Larry uh, Walker, Lance uh, Berkman, Lance Berkman, John Smoltz, the center, the center fielder that was cheating. <laughs> It was going to be the coach of the Mets.
1: Oh, Carlos Beltran.
0: <laughs> yeah, Carlos Beltran. Like, you know, it's just, hey, John Mose, like, say, let's just go back to the old guy well here, and uh, our fan base fucking eats that shit up. They're like, John Lester. Except with John Lester, it didn't matter who I said. Oh, hey, the Cardinals got John Lester too. The first thing on everyone's mouth was, oh, you mean the guy they can't throw to first base? Yep. Yeah, that, but, that John Lester. You're but right. he doesn't you have right. to
1: throw to first base. He can just he's throw home, and Yachty will throw him out second somehow, yep. or pick him off at first.
0: Yeah, get a big a, get opportunity a big lead. for Yadi. Yeah, get yeah a Yachty big probably has more pickoffs at first base than John Lester does.
1: Probably. So we'll we'll see. Um, he he's starting tomorrow, right? Against the Braves. Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll see yeah. how it goes. We'll have to make sure we yeah. tune in to, oh, I'll to be, talk about that. I'll be
0: tuning in, dude. I got it. my whole fantasy life <laughs> depends on the Cardinals and the, <laughs> and the Braves, <laughs> Braves games. So. Fair enough. Um
1: but yeah, I mean, it's Liza, I I think at the at the end of the day, it's you know, it it's just a, a lack of time. Like the hole is too deep for the NL Central. Um I don't know like the Padres have not looked great as of late. The Tati's junior injury definitely hurts. I, but I don't know that it's six games that they'll pick up. Um, but it just starts with like the Cardinals needing to win. And since we've started talking about it, like they have gone, I think they went like four and three in the week coming out of the all-star break. And they went three and two last So like they're playing slightly above 500, but uh, unfortunately, like that only is beneficial if the other teams are playing below 500 and yeah. they aren't, like you talked about, They're like earlier, eight and
0: two in the last 10.
1: Yeah, so like if you're like you, you've played above 500, I think the Cardinals are six and four, and in those 10 games, you've lost two more. So it's just yeah. like, okay, like, well, if you, if you do that for another two weeks. You know, like if come the end of August you've just lost another three games in the standings and you're thirteen back going into September, like you you just don't have a chance. Like you could sweep the ten games in September against Milwaukee and still be down by three. You know, it's like I I think that this'll this this two week stretch they're getting ready to go into, like before they play Milwaukee, I think will we'll, and we'll, we'll we'll say it, it dictates the Milwaukee series will certainly dictate it as well, um, just because of the head to head nature. But depending on where they're at coming into this the end of that series, it'll that that's what I mean. Like these two weeks will will really shape what needs to happen in the next thirteen games. If the Cardinals just play five hundred baseball over the next two weeks, then I don't think it matters. I like agree it, with that as well? Yeah. So Um, And it's, it's crazy to think that there's, and yes, mathematically, the next two weeks don't, don't decide the season, but I, I feel like strength of schedule, mindset, all of that good stuff, it, it does. So we'll, we'll see, you know, continue to join us every Monday and or Tuesday when we decide to record, or sometimes it's Monday into Tuesday, like tonight. But no one asks us, but we'll share our opinion on things. Um, Anything else on your end? Um, No. Cool. Um, For anyone that hasn't been, check out the Olympics. Um, Team USA took a tough loss to Japan, but we're not out yet. Got to win three games in a row for the gold at this point. Um, I think as long as they win tomorrow night, they're guaranteed a shot at the gold, or they're guaranteed a shot at a medal, I think, is how it works. It's really weird how the bracket works. They have, it's like knockout rounds. It's like because there were six teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they like I think they did like a round robin against everybody. And then it was like, the the bottom teams played each other, um and like the the loser, uh, so it's like like six played five and four played three, and then the loser of each of those games play each other and like then the losers eliminated, and the winners play and like it just like goes up and then eventually you get it like narrowed down to where it's you know. Two teams playing for the bronze medal, and then the gold silver medal game. Um, but I'm like, this is like super complicated. That there's, it's like a 14 game knockout round between the six teams. And I'm like, Jesus, why why does it take so many so many games for for these guys? Or maybe like they they played like two games against other opponents, like in two groups of three. Something like that. I don't, it was really weird, but it was only six teams. Um, but tune in, check out USA. Uh, we haven't shared well in other team sports. So, um, USA, USA, yeah. USA. But cool. Hopefully, we have good news for you next week. Um, and our our teams continue in the, the same trajectory of winning games and can continue to make some ground. Um, keep the season exciting. Play ball. Bye. <laughs> Bye ball. All right. Well, until next week, stay cool. Bye. Bye.